DJ PK and Brian Mahoney. He covers the Knicks, the Nets, and the NBA for the Associated Press. Brian, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Brian, I'm, I'm curious how it works in a market with a, with a gazillion teams, because we are focused on the Jazz, and we focus on the colleges with BYU and Utah. They're a big deal during college football season. We spend a lot of time on the Jazz, but everything rides on one team. When you're in New York and you have multiple teams going poorly, do people get a lot of angst over that? Do they only, over the whole thing as a whole, do they just focus on the one or two teams that have it going? The Nets do appear like, you know, they've got some talent, so maybe they're on the way up. But the Knicks and Nets have been down. The Jets and the Giants have been down. There have been a lot of Mets jokes over the years. People ever beat themselves up, or does it not work like that in New York? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. There's always the, okay, well, we'll move on to the next season. You know, if the, you know, if the Jets start out 0-4, you say, all right, well, you know, we got the Giants. Or if the Knicks start out poorly, you say, all right, well, it'll be spring training soon. The Yankees will be going. But uh, the last couple of years, they've really all been kind of down. Uh, you know, the Yankees are the only one who's done well. And even them, not to the, quite the same level. But uh, the rest of them, it's kind of been, all right, well, what do we have to look forward to? <laughs> no one is really picking it up. So uh, at least this season, there is some excitement about the Nets. Uh, you know, the, the Mets change ownerships. There's some excitement there. So there's always something that makes you say, okay, whereas I guess in your market when the Jazz are bad, which luckily for the fans here, they're not bad very often, uh, there's really not <laughs> something else to turn your attention to. So when I look at the Knicks, going back to the Pacer game, they win three in a row, they lose five in a row, they win three in a row, now they've lost two in a row going into the ball game against the Jazz. I can't quite figure it out. Can you? Well, you know, it's it's really pretty simple. They they defend really well. Uh, they don't shoot it great. And on the nights when the ball goes in, this is as simple a thing as you can say, but they're going to be pretty tough to beat. Uh, they can, you know, because they, they'll hold teams down pretty well. It's a very good defensive team. They really care about trying on that end. But some nights they just don't have enough firepower. And, uh, you know, this is one of the lowest scoring teams you'll see in the league. So, uh, they're you know, they've beaten some pretty good teams on nights when, you know, they, they hit the three ball, but that just doesn't happen often enough for them to win consistently. So mediocrity can be a step forward when you've been down for a while, but it can also be a little fool's gold if there isn't a real foundation to get beyond that. You know, where is your ceiling? And if your ceiling is 40 or 43 wins or something, well, in an 82-game season, uh, you know, that, then that's, that's not good enough. That gets people fired. Do you think the Knicks here have the foundation for something that they can build on to become a 50-win team, to become a team that can win a playoff series, and go from there? Well, you know, you make a good point. And I think eventually at some point you have to show mediocrity. Uh, there, there's always been a, you know, a theory in the NBA that a lot of teams have is that if we're not going to really have a chance to win, you're better off trying to get a pick, uh, you know, being the, you know, eighth place team doesn't really do you that much good. You maybe you're better off going to the lottery, but when you've been as, you know, as bad as the Knicks have for a long time, uh, it's hard to entice guys to come. They don't see a path to winning. Uh, when you draft guys, they don't, uh, you know, you have to win some games to develop a little bit. When all you're doing is losing and losing, I think it stunts your growth. And uh, so look, if the Knicks go, uh, you know, they kind of stay the way they are now where, couple games under 500, but they're competing. I think that would be a giant step forward for them, and I think it's something they really have to show. So on every team in the league, somebody's got to put up numbers, even on bad teams. Somebody has put, puts up numbers in terms of 
the basic categories that we look at, rebounds, assists, and, and uh, points and all that stuff. And for the Knicks, it's Julius Randle. So my thought for you, is he a legitimate player in terms of being an all-star candidate or somebody who just puts up numbers on a mediocre team? Uh, you know, I think right now he, he's in that first category. I think he's playing at an all-star level. I think his numbers have mattered. Uh, you know, that's again, 8-10 and 10 doesn't seem great, but uh, that's pretty good for them. This was a team that started 4-18 and 18 last year, and uh, so they're obviously playing much better. They've beaten some good teams, and he's been the major reason. He controls the offense. He works hard on the backboards. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think this is one of those situations where uh, you know, a Bradley Beal kind of situation where there's good numbers he's putting up. Washington doesn't win. Uh, the Knicks have improved here, and uh, his numbers were pretty good last year, uh, but obviously they weren't coming in any kind of winning situation. Uh, this year there are, and I think uh, certainly he has a good chance to be rewarded for that if he keeps it up. So is Dolan going to stay out of the way, or is everybody holding their breath waiting for him to create a scene that derails the little bit of momentum the Knicks are building? Well, I think they, <laughs> Knicks fans always have that fear. Uh, you know, I, I do think he has done a better job staying out of the way the last few years. Um, but, yeah, there's always that, that fear that that'll change. And, and, not, and not even necessarily just, uh, you know, meddling in basketball situations, wanting to trade guys or fire guys or things like that. It's, you know, the, the outside distractions, uh, you know, feuding with former players, uh, things of that nature where uh, they just kind of sometimes get in their own way. So uh, I do think right now uh, quiet is a good thing for the Knicks. Uh, they're kind of uh, flying under the radar, and, and I think uh, you know, it would be best for them if that can continue. R.J. Barrett's a Duke guy, and I have this bias against Duke guys. It seems like you know they get high draft picks, a lot of them, and don't really pan out to be the player that you thought or anticipated, particularly if you're drafted in the top five, which is the case in Barrett. You know, he certainly got all the measurables and putting up decent numbers. But what do you think about his game as far as being able to increase it and being a bona fide, not a superstar, but somebody you could count on a lot, eight out of ten games, whatever it might be, to be consistent for you? Well, number one, he's got to become a better, more consistent outside shooter. Uh, you know, he's as capable of going one for ten as he is five for ten, and and, uh, you know, when that shot becomes more consistent, he'll be in great shape because I think he plays really hard. Uh, he goes to the basket very well with that nice little left hand. Uh, he's, he's certainly worked hard after last year. Last year was a disappointing rookie year. You're absolutely you know, right about that. Um, and uh, he, he took that personally. He didn't make one of the all-rookie teams and came back motivated this year. And, uh, you know, it's just some nights he's tremendous when that ball's going in. Uh, you know, we saw out in the – to start this road trip, they went to Golden State. He played very well that night. The, the shot was going down, but uh, he's had a you know a couple nights where he had a bunch of open looks and, and wasn't anywhere close. And and uh, you know no one's good enough to overcome that. Brian Mahoney joining us covers the Knicks, the Nets, and the NBA for the Associated Press. Well, as you can imagine, Shaq's post-game, halftime and post-game comments on the last TNT broadcast about uh, Donovan Mitchell and is he good enough to lead the Jazz. And is he a superstar, and can he get them where they want to go and all that? So that, that's a big deal here. But you cover the whole NBA. Is there anybody who's good enough to take down LeBron right now? Or are the Lakers at a level where, even though the Clippers and Jazz have similar regular season records, you already feel like you know how the playoffs are going to go? 
Well, I, I have a hard time thinking the Lakers don't win right now. Uh, you know, when you have two of the five best players in the league, uh, I do think a couple of those teams in the West, certainly the Jazz and the Clippers are very good teams. Uh, you know, I would, I would give them a, a shot. Uh, but, you know, pick it against LeBron when, when he has a good help around him like he does there. Uh, this is a team that, that got better since last year with the changes they made in, in the offseason. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think I would pick against them right now. You know, we have obviously a long way to go in this crazy season, but, but nothing I've seen so far. You know, I picked them going into the season like a lot of guys did, and, and nothing I've seen so far would make me change that. So the Nets got a ton of talent, but how difficult is Steve Nash's job? Well, you know, it's very difficult because they're not built to defend at all. <laughs> you know, this is a, you know all about offense for this team. And on nights when uh, when it's they're really rolling, they look unbelievable. I mean, uh, there's there's numbers that are not you know out of range for this team. 140 points and 23 pointers. They they can do that stuff routinely with the talent they have, but they can also give up almost that much. So uh, the job is to figure out how to maximize these guys that they're scoring enough, but also try and build some kind of defense that you can uh, not be in a shootout every night. Uh, you know, the teams who aren't even that good, you know, we saw Cleveland beat them twice. Uh, we saw Orlando have a big night against them offensively. Uh, you know, teams can just uh, kind of tear this team apart, and they have to find a way to at least be uh, tolerable on that end so they can, you know, maximize what they have. So I know it's the big three, but it sure looks like Kevin Durant is number one among equals. And how ruthless is he? I know he and Kyrie had a plan, but I don't think they knew they were going to have a shot at Harden the way it worked out. Could Kyrie get moved, and would Durant sign off on that and or encourage it? Well, I think the issue is, you know, I don't know how many teams would would trust Kyrie right now with yeah. You know, he's uh, obviously taking the leave of absence. You know, he he was gone for seven games. Uh, there's obviously something going on there. But uh, you know, when you when you make that kind of trade for that kind of money and that kind of personality, there, there's you have to really, really, really be sure. And I don't really know who who would be that sure. And, and the Nets don't want to move him. He, uh, you know, he came here with Durant. They have a close relationship. Don't really know how Durant would feel about that. So uh, for all those reasons and more, I, I can't imagine they would they would move Kyrie. Now, whether you know Kyrie and Harden can uh, you know find a way to maximize what they have together when they're both used to being the guy with the ball in their hands and, and not having to worry about anything else, that that's something we really have to watch. But uh, you know, the Nets believe they can make it work, and, and it'll, you know, a lot of that is because of Durant that he has a friendship with both those guys, and uh, you know that he can be the one to kind of to make this all happen for them. Brian Mahoney covers the Knicks, the Nets, and the NBA for the Associated Press. Brian, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you very much. All right, there's Brian with the lowdown on Knicks, Nets, and NBA. And, yeah, LeBron, of course. It's going to be a thing all season, PK, but the Mountain, uh, regardless of what anybody says, it's it's clear what the issue is. How How do you beat this guy? Oh, LeBron, you're speaking of? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the downside of the NBA. It's been that way for over a decade. It's the most predictable pro sports league that we have. And so you're, you're always gunning to figure out ways. I mean, it's not like you hope for injury, but uh, it seems like that's almost to the point of what it takes to derail him at, at 36 years of age. He's a... A medical marvel is certainly a basketball marvel.
It's just uh, to be playing at this high of a level at this advanced age with so many minutes on the legs, you really got to give it up to him. I mean, he, all the credit he gets as far as being a phenomenal player, it's, it's deservedly so. But so sure, that's, that's the thing. Everyone's shooting for that. It's like you've got the predictability in terms of who's going to win the title. You know, I think it's the NBA, and then next it's college football. Yeah, those are the two. Head and, head and shoulders above above everybody else. And, and for LeBron to be doing this at 36, I mean, I think Kobe won his last title at 32. I think Jordan won his last at 35. And Jordan had a year and a half away. You know, and didn't and didn't play all those uh, you know massive NBA minutes those three years he was in college. Obviously, LeBron started much earlier. So this is you know Magic didn't do this, Bird didn't do this. This is uh, I think Russell was done at thirty five too. This is incredible for LeBron. Really yeah, pushing I think it the envelope. Was his benefit that they didn't make the playoffs a couple of years ago that gave him a good chunk of time off, and he was injured. They had a groin injury in that season, missed a whole bunch of games, and the Lakers fell out of contention, and then they weren't in the postseason. And actually, that actually benefited him, you'd have to think. So that's what you have. And that, to me, that's a negative of the NBA. And it's inherent to the league. And then you've got guys that it seems like in the NBA, superstars are more willing to move and are more able to move. And when they do move, they create such a shift in the balance of power. The Lakers can go for nothing for several years as we waited out the Kobe retirement, and it was inevitable that the team is going to stink because it seems like that. And we see that with older coaches, too. We're seeing, like, with, with Syracuse and Bayheim, he can't. he's in his mid-60s, 70s, and he can't hang it up, and they haven't been what they were. Duke... This year isn't what they are. As Shashevsky is what seventy two, seventy three, somewhere in there, and so it seems like you have that. We saw that with uh, Bobby Bowden down at Florida State. It seems like it's inevitable that those situations, unless they get out early, like Jerry Sloan did, that the team is just going to stink. And so, with that in mind, you have to play for that and. But then the LeBron just goes there, and they even though they've they screwed it up for so many years, then they become instant contenders. And that, to me, uh, it's hard for me to jump aboard these Laker titles or the Laker title that they had, and obviously the favorite to get this year because it didn't seem like you did anything to deserve it. You know, you could say, "Well, the Chiefs they they're back in the second Super Bowl." Yeah, because Andy Reid had the foresight to draft Mahomes when the Bears are trading up to get Trubisky and who else was in that draft, and all these teams passed on him. And it's not like it's Kobe Bryant who basically orchestrated his move to the Lakers. I don't think Mahomes orchestrated his move to Kansas City. No, Mahomes <laughs> Mahomes had a losing record in college, 13-16, and 16, but they saw the film and decided that was their guy and – you're right. There were plenty of other teams. He was, he was 10th. They traded up to get him. So it seems more palatable, at least to me, the casual. I'm, not, I'm a casual fan in terms of rooting interest. I'm hardcore in terms of watching. But it seems like it's, it's easier for me to accept if KC should have a run here that rivals any run in the history of the NFL, I'm all for it <laughs> because they earned it. 
You know what I mean? It wasn't like it was just given to them. <clears throat> nope, it's a seems sal- like the Laker yeah. titles now sort of just given to them. It's it's a hard cap. You can't buy it. You know, sometimes in baseball we see teams. Well, we see them spend money poorly. But when you spend a hundred million dollars more than everybody and you spend it well, you you can get on quite the roll. And in basketball, you can go out and lure a free agent and turn things around, even though you have made a bunch of bad decisions. But in football, it's hard cap. And, and Brady moved, but mostly the star quarterbacks don't move. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been one place his whole career. Roethlisberger his whole career. Uh, the Chargers moved Breeze five years in because they had Rivers and Breeze was coming off the shoulder surgery. So Breeze is a guy who moved, but even so, it was a traditional trade. It's not something he did. It's not something he leveraged. Yeah, but uh, they only won once. Right, yeah. So, but the star quarterbacks stay in place. You know, that's, I mean, that's the weird thing about Watson moving. If, if, if he moves... Uh, it just, you don't see guys who, you know, or what is he, three or four going into his fourth year, I guess, into his career and, and move. They don't, that doesn't happen. You know? Well, and they can only have the profound impact if the team is good enough. Yep. Because you're talking about Watson potentially moving. He didn't even have a playoff team. But yet we view him as an elite level quarterback. Well, if you're an elite level basketball player, you're certainly going to make the playoffs minimally. You're probably going to go longer. And then if you're an elite-level player, somebody wants to join you. That's what's interesting with the Jazz as they go forward here. And I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out because now they've got this young, chic owner in place, and he's out on social media supporting your cause. It seems like the majority of them have the same cause. Fine with me. Have the cause all you want. And he's out there. And seems like he supports this cause. And so you got stability there. You have it in the management. You have it in the coaching. You got this young stud. If you can't recruit now, when can you? That's what you're saying. Everything is lining up to recruit. Yeah. You'll have the way it's set up. They set themselves up nicely to potentially have some cash. So is there an Anthony Davis out there? Somebody like that, using him as the most yeah. recent example who leveraged his way from a mediocre situation to a great situation. Well, if you if there's somebody of his caliber, maybe that's asking too much, does he leverage his way to Utah because it doesn't have the sizzle of the market, but in terms of all the stuff that the Lakers had, it has darn near just as much, if not more. I think what you're talking about is a, is a long-term play, and we can get into that next. DJ and PK, I think there's two ways. It, there, there's it's two always windows. two with you. There, there are, and when, when I explain <laughs> it, you'll realize I'm right. There's two windows for this to happen, and we'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.